Good evening and welcome to our evening service where we are particularly looking at the theme this evening of falsehood and pollution. My name is Vicky, I'm one of the ministers here at the church and I'm going to be sharing the service as Ian later brings us God's word. But as we think about the theme, falsehood and pollution, isn't it good to know that in a world where actually the world sometimes seems to live by very different uh, standards to us, that God helps us to stay strong, even with the temptations around It's good to know in whom we put our trust. And Hebrews 10 verse 23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. It's good to know that we can trust God and that he remains faithful to us, even when life around us feels very different to how we want to live our life. Our first song reminds us of the assurance that we have of having God as our Heavenly Father. Blessed assurance. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can indeed hold unswervingly to you. We thank you that you are faithful, that you are great, that you are the God of heaven and earth. We thank you that because of Jesus and all that he has done for us, we can come into your presence as your children, as your sons and your daughters, and yet co-heirs with Christ. We thank you for all that God has done for us. And Lord, we do ask that even in a world that sometimes feels fickle and and full of temptation for us and sometimes wants to take us away from you, that we have the certainty of knowing that you help to keep us strong. And we thank you, Lord, for your love, for all that you have done and for helping us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Amen. Our next song, Holy and Anointed One. I'm going to read a few words from Luke chapter 4 that reminds us this is following uh, Jesus' temptations where the, the, the Satan was trying to tempt him to go away from God and Jesus refuted him with the words of God. He then returned to Galilee and it says in Luke 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Those words still apply to us today. Because of what Jesus has done, there is still good news to proclaim. There is still miracles that take place when people are healed and where people who have been caught up in the oppression perhaps of uh, drink or um, drugs or the many other addictions that people suffer from have been set free because of the power of Jesus. 
Jesus is as alive today as he was all those years ago and as he will continue to be in the future. Why? Because he went to that cross and died for you and for me. And that's why we can declare him as the lamb upon the throne who is worthy of our praise as we sing our next song. You've hopefully received the notice sheet uh, that gets sent out or maybe you were at church earlier in the day and you picked your copy up then or maybe it's even popped through your notice sheet, uh, through your letterbox. But do have a look at it. It's obviously uh, drawing towards the summer break when schools break up. Um, but there's still a few things going on. So have a look, do read it, find out what's going on for the children and for the youth, for ourselves as we continue to remember uh, one another through prayer and also through the other events that we can see listed there. We continue to say thank you too for the way that you give week by week. And uh, as we come to prayer now, we're going to say thank you to God for all that we offer to him but also as we remember the world around us through our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can indeed come to you and just um, bring to you our monetary gifts, recognising that you, Lord, can use them for things that are so amazing and things that we might not understand yes we thank you for the fact that they pay wages and that they enable the church to open and to stay warm in the in the in the winter but lord we recognize too that they're used to support the mission here in this place in this town and across our world and as we think about lord all that um, you use that money for we say thank you thank you for it and thank you for each one of the givers and Lord, as we continue in prayer, we want to thank you and to give you praise, to recognise how wonderful you are. We pray that we will do the things that you want us to do and to do our best to live our lives according to the values of heaven and not of society today. Lord, we recognise that as we look around our world, there is much to take us away from our faith in you. But help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to live according to the values of heaven and not to be selfish in our day-to-day -day lives. We are sorry for those times when we have been selfish, for those times when we have done wrong, for those times when we have annoyed you or other people, when we have caused hurt or upset because of our selfishness, our own greed, perhaps even our own falsehoods. And Lord, perhaps we've become upset by others who have done something similar to us. We ask for your help to forgive them in the way that you forgive us. Lord God, we ask that you will indeed keep us strong keep us strong and to keep away from those things that are not good for us. For those things that maybe we want to do that are not the things that you want us to do. Help us to resist the temptations that distract us. But instead, rather than doing them, that we may perhaps join something that is already taking place, come and gather in prayer through Zoom 
Read our Bibles and help ourselves focus on you rather than on the temptations that surround us. Help us to feed ourselves with the good and not the negative. Lord, you have made everything on heaven and on earth. Help us to realise that and help us to realise that your love is for us as your love is for one another. And so we pray that, Lord, your love will fill us and that we can then love others as you would have them loved by us. Father, we do pray for our families. We thank you that as a father, you know what it is to love a child, to love your son. And so we pray for our families and our friends and those who are part of our church. We pray that, Lord God, we can uphold them in the way that perhaps they have upheld us in the past. We bring them before you now in the quiet. Lord, minister to them, we pray. Lord, we pray for our world and for all those who live in our world. We particularly remember um, our missionaries out in Bangladesh as, Lord, the situation with COVID continues to be so difficult out there. Lord, keep your hands upon them, we pray, in all that they face, in all that they experience. Lord, we bring them before you and ask the same for our missionaries across, our, across your world, that, Lord, you will have your hand on them, we pray. Father God, as we think about our world, we recognise that you made the earth and you saw that it was good. And we ask for your forgiveness, that so often we have stripped it of its treasures. We have caused your world damage. We have left your world a poorer place because of the way that we have treated it. Forgive us, Lord, when we're too lazy to uh, throw away our rubbish properly, to only think about fashion rather than ethics and where our clothes are being sourced from. As we think about what we want to eat rather than the people and the cost of the people who have farmed it. the way that so often people have been ill-treated in order for us to have what we want. We recognise that the earth is crying out and your people are hungering and thirsty and we continue in our own way, regardless of what they may be experiencing. Help us to be more like the Good Samaritan, to be more as neighbours who do not pass by on the other side. Move us, Lord, we pray with compassion for your world as we see the pain of your creation, the creation that you created. And Lord, we pray for our government and for our leaders. We pray for the decisions that are made. And Lord, we ask for your wisdom. Father, as our schools begin to Look towards the end of term. Father God, we pray for those for whom school holidays isn't a good place. 
because they get hungry and there is nothing to do and they feel unsafe. Father God, for decisions that are made that will impact them going forwards, help them, Lord, we pray, to know your hand of protection. And help us too. As we think about the theme of falsehood and pollution, to dress ourselves in the armour of God. To pick up those defensive items that protects us from the temptations around us and to enable us to pick up the sword of the Spirit and to deliver us from the evil that you want us to stay strong from. We recognise that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And as we say the words of the Lord's Prayer, help us, Lord, to give you the glory because you are indeed our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our reading this evening is from 2 Timothy chapter 2 starting at verse 14 and going on to chapter 3 and verse 9. And it says this. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarrelling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. And they say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows who are his. And everyone who confesses, confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not be resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive 
to do his will. But mark this, there will be terrible days, sorry, there will be terrible times in our last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all evils, all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jumbres opposed Moses, so also, also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Wow. Not only are there a lot of words in this passage that we'll be looking at shortly with Ian, there's a lot of warnings and a lot of consequences of actions. As we look towards unpacking this passage in a short while, we sing once more when the music fades and all is stripped away. We simply need to come. Let us come now in worship. Thank you very much for Vicky for leading the service up to this point. If you have a Bible, you might want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, 14 through to chapter 3, verse 9. Paul writing to Timothy is writing into a context that would not be dissimilar to the context of 21st century Britain. He's writing into a context to the church, the early church, where people are wanting to change the teachings of the Bible, of the scriptures, of God's words, to a more palatable, happy, non-challenging way of being. There are those who want to take out the parts of the scripture that they find hard to live and they want to twist it for their own means. In fact, there are many false teachers around in the early church already at this point, just as there are today, teaching all kinds of strange ways of finding success and finding hope. In the world, there is a lot going on around New Testament times. And some of those are already impacting the church. I haven't got time tonight to go through the many different things like Gnosticism and that. But suffice to say, that which is going on outside the world is already starting 
to change the church. A Christian writer called Leonard Ravenhill said this, the church is supposed to go out and change the world. Instead, the world has come in and changed the church. Let me say that again. The church is supposed to go out and change the world. Instead, the world has come in and changed the church. Throughout the 66 books of the Bible is a whole handbook on how we are designed and supposed to live. It speaks about many things, including our thoughts and our hearts, our minds. It talks about how we should conduct relationships and there is much in there to challenge us. Even in the New Testament times, there were those who were wanting to say to the church, we do not like your teaching. Change it, update it, or just go away. Sound familiar? And there were those who wanted to say to the church, and they came in as false teachers, to say to the church, I have a new revelation, a new revelation that will override the previous revelations. This is what you should do. The challenge to that is God does not contradict himself. God does not update himself. God was at the beginning, he will be at the end. He is ever to be. But false teachers are often very attractive because what they are offering is something that makes itching ears hear, oh, I want to have that. Tonight's message I called falsehood and pollution. You see, false teaching is often popular teaching. You only have to watch some of the American evangelistic channels where they start to use the gospel as a fundraising thing and they start to manipulate and take people's money so-called that they can be blessed. And the evangelists are often found out to be living a lifestyle very contrary to scripture and living a lavish lifestyle at the cost of many others. The charismatic false teacher who uses their personality to bring around power dynamics and bullying those who come into the church. And whilst we might say, yes, that's in America, it's also in Britain and it's also in this area. In fact, many within Romford Baptist Church would say they have come from a church where bullying was normal, where they were manipulated and where they were caused to do all sorts of things that were not of God. And then there's those who believe that they are God's voice and they want to speak out against all kind of wickedness and evil, but they do so with the voice of hate and anger. 
You only need to look at some Facebook feeds which try to make out that they are speaking for God, but the language is one of real anger and hatred, one that actually tears people down. And they like nothing better than a social media argument where they proclaim to hold the high moral ground. Yet as they proclaim that, they are showing nothing of Christ in their words. And sadly, this also is the output of God's church. So often God's church is one that's proclaiming with anger the things that they are against. Some people define the voice of the church as one that speaks out about everything they're not for, everything they don't like, but never what they are for. And so in this passage that Paul wrote to Timothy, reminding them to keep the church pure, we need to remember what the pure church is. You see, the pure church, the church of Jesus Christ, is one that is characterised by love, deep love. One that is characterised by hope. And one that is characterised by welcome. The early church even in Timothy's day, has not been going long, but they so often forget that actually their purpose is the living out of the Great Commission. And so whilst we would say we want to protect ourselves from false teaching, the other thing we need to protect ourselves from is not being like Christ. Let's have a look at this in more detail. What does, the early, what does the church of Jesus Christ need to do today in the 21st century? Firstly, ruthlessly protect the message of the gospel. Ruthlessly protect the message of of the gospel. Now we all know the word gospel means good news, but what is it that we're there to protect? Well, remember Jesus' last words. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus are those who come to show Jesus to the world. It's interestingly in that Matthew passage, in Matthew 28, and it then goes on to say, teaching them everything I have commanded you. And the only commandment that Jesus constantly went back to was love. The commandment to love. So if we're ruthlessly going to be protecting the message of the gospel, the message we need to protect is that of the word love. God loved, therefore...
Jesus describing himself says these words, I have come to seek and save the lost. So if we're going to protect protect ruthlessly the message of the gospel, we need to protect the message that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Therefore, in our teaching, where we are working towards being like Christ, we need to welcome all, welcome everybody from any place. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 19, it says this, God's solid foundation self-stands firm, sealed with his inscription, the Lord knows who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So that's, that's the moment of accepting Christ, turning away from wickedness. But up to that point, it's about welcoming people in, but not allowing the wickedness to change the church, but the love of Christ to overcome wickedness. I've mentioned this before, but for those of you who don't know, my drink of choice is black strong coffee. Sadly, because of my dietary needs, it can only be decaf coffee. And sometimes I have discovered when you are drinking coffee out in certain retail outlets, the coffee can be quite bitter. I do not like sugar in coffee. I do not like sweet coffee. So what I have discovered, having been taught this by a friend, is that if you add just six granules of salt or less into a mug of coffee, the bitterness will go. You won't taste the salt, but the coffee will taste great. In the same way, where there is a person full of bitterness and anger and hatred, you're never going to pull that out of the person. I can't sit there with my coffee that's bitter and try and take the bitterness out. It's either in the coffee or it's out. What I do do is I put some salt in. And what we are challenged to do as Christians when we come across people is not to allow their bitterness to pollute the church, but through our overwhelming love of Christ poured into the person, we see the bitterness being taken away. When we are encouraged to protect ruthlessly the message of the gospel, the way we are going to do that is to live it and live it with God's love. The second thing is to protect sacrificially the teachings of the church. 
In the 21st century, the church is constantly being told to update, to update its teachings, to make its teachings fit the world. And we come back to that quotation, the church is supposed to go out and change the world. Instead, the world has come in and changed the church. The teachings of Christ, as outlined in the scriptures, are those that we must hold firm to today. Of course, to do that, we must have a good understanding of the whole of Scripture. It's not about picking out our choice verses and throwing them as weapons. In fact, in verse 23 of 2 Timothy 2, it says, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they cause quarrels. So it's not about battling and fighting in that way. But it's holding firm to the teachings and opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of that truth. When Jesus is walking the earth... So often somebody would come up to him and challenge him about the Old Testament law. Now, of course, the Old Testament law had been taken by the religious leaders and used as a weapon to hit people with, or worse. They'd added to the law. They'd made their own punishments. They had made the law of love that God had outlined into a law of control. When we are called to protect sacrificially the teachings of Christ, it's to live as Christ did. Therefore, when we come across somebody who has sinned and failed, it's not about destroying them. It's about loving them to repentance. It's about thinking of their eternity. And Jesus so often was questioned and asked to change the rules and to try to update things, which he never did. And Jesus did not change the rules, but he changed the rule of engagement. And the rule of engagement was one of compassion, of love but always of God's way. So when somebody was healed and had been sinning, Jesus healed them, compassion in place. But he also said to them, go and sin no more. Don't go and continue the life you were living. Be changed. Repentance is about stopping what we're doing saying sorry to God and living differently into the future. As Paul writing to Timothy does outline, there will be those with false teachers who have new revelations and they want to come and tell the church, I have this new revelation. And in this way, they start to pollute the church because the church starts to live in a non-biblical way. Let me say there are tests for revelations. Do they contradict the scriptures? 
If the scripture says no, but they say yes, then they are contradicting the scriptures. Often these people who have the new revelations are totally unaccountable to anyone. They go from place to place trying to cause chaos until they get a place where power can be held. I've seen that in my time here at Romford Baptist where there's been those who've tried to come in and try to tell the church that they should go a different way and me and the leadership have had to say no, we keep to the teachings and people who teach need to be accountable. And they also don't glorify God. Because their language, their body language, their tone is one of aggression, not of love. And so you easily can see those who are going against the scripture. But it's careful because we need to be prayerfully open prayerfully open that the Holy Spirit can show us Paul never in this passage to Timothy does he say right your job now is to defend God it's not our job to defend God God's big enough he can do that himself It's our job to be faithful to the teachings and instruction of the Bible. And that's all of them, not just the comfortable ones, but all of them. And this is where it becomes a challenge. Because it also includes welcoming willingly those who are different. Those who are different from us. And I'm not talking necessarily ethnically different or culturally different, but maybe they have a very different lifestyle and you can tell that. You see, we are very happy to judge people who sin differently to the way we are. And we love to be smug in our security blanket of not being exposed to anyone who is different. But let me tell you, even those who have a different lifestyle to the one we have, a different morality, God loves them. And the challenge is for us to love them too. And so we need to welcome people into God's house, into God's community who are very different and sin differently to the way we do. It's often been said that I should write a book about all my church experiences. I might need to retire before I do that and work out how I can anomalize them all. But one of my experiences as a pastor is when I was a regional minister back in the early 2000s. And I covered and for the Baptist some 120 local Baptist churches in a team of regional ministers. And I went from church to church on Sunday, always preaching on a different church. And on one Sunday I went to a church and I, this church was in the Cambridgeshire Fens. And I was due to preach. It was going to be a great preach, of course, because you see, then I only had to do one or two sermons a year because I just went from church to, no, 
seriously, God had placed something on my heart. And this church had a worship leader leading the first part of the worship before I got up to preach. Came to the point that the children are about to leave the church to go to their own groups before the preaching came on. And they brought all the children up onto the stage. And then the worship leader asked this question, would somebody like to pray for these children before they go out? Now, I'm going to have to be very careful how I describe this because it was an interesting moment. You see, the person who stood up, I had noticed before the service, and he was staggering around a little. Speaking to some of the church leaders, they were delighted. This is the third week he'd come to this church. And he told them he'd only had two bottles of cider the night before. Two two-litre bottles of cider, that was. Strong cider. And he was a lot more coherent than he had been on previous weeks. And yet he came to church because he felt safe there. And this was the man who stood up to pray for these children. And his prayer started out, dear God, he knew the liturgy. Please may these children not be (coughs) up like I was (coughs) up. There were other words. Keep the silly (coughs) away from them. And the prayer went on. Well, it was an X-rated prayer, and I was waiting to see what would be the reaction of the church. At the end of the prayer, when the man got back to the more conventional language of Amen and sat down, the congregation broke into a round of applause. You see, however messed up that man was, this was the first time he had spoken to God in prayer. And my understanding is he went on to gradually letting God take hold of more and more of his life welcoming willingly those who are different will challenge us but challenge is good you see the fourth thing I want to say is the church is a place of transformation I'm going to disappoint you now as a pastor of your church to say I can't get anybody into heaven. I can't save anyone. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. But what we can do is create an environment where the Holy Spirit can work, where we are prayerfully bringing people before God and allowing people to engage with God alongside us. 
allowing the transformation that comes from the Holy Spirit. Not coercion, not manipulation, not some kind of therapy that will transform them using psycho ways. No, this is one where the Holy Spirit takes control. It's about not trying to make everyone like us, but invite everyone into a dynamic living relationship with Christ. It's not our job to convert. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. I remember in our first church when Vicky and I were young, foolish church planters. And we were going to have a baptismal service and uh, we needed to borrow a baptistry. In the end, we got a birthing pool to do the baptisms in. A local church found out we were doing baptisms and they also found out who was getting baptised. And I received a letter from this local church. How dare you baptise this woman? Do you know she was drunk three times last week? and you're baptising her. Me being, well, young, naive, and probably a bit big-headed, replied to that minister, isn't God doing a great job? Because the week before she was drunk seven times, and she has met with the living God, who is slowly transforming her. That woman in question became a youth leader, and brought her family to Christ, her mum and dad to Christ. She became a great evangelist. I remember shortly after her baptism, her coming to me and saying, God's told me I've got to stop smoking now. And I said, well, stop smoking then. And gradually she cleaned up her life as God did a work in her. It's not our job to convert. It's the Holy Spirit does that. The Church of Jesus Christ in an unpolluted and uh, without falsehood is just called to be a genuine body of believers brought together with love. If we're really going to reflect Christ, we will be a people of love. Love that gives people space to be. Love that allows God to work. Love that allows us to be totally open to the Holy Spirit working in us. Pollution is not from whom we will welcome into the church. God is bigger than those things but it's when we allow the church to change its biblical teaching. The church is supposed to go out and change the world, but instead the world has come in and changed the church. Let's be faithful in how we live. Let us show Christ in the way we genuinely welcome. Let's strive as the most welcoming place that anyone can come into. It will be messy. Oh yes, it will be messy. But as Christ reigns by the Spirit, we will also see the testimony, a transformation. That prayer Jesus taught us, Our Father who art in heaven, 
your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in your church, your kingdom come among your people. Amen. As we respond to God's word, we're going to have that song, Purify My Heart. Let us pray. Lord, may you reign in your church. May the teachings of your church be the teachings of your Bible. May we, Lord, not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. May we genuinely show your love to all. Take our lives, take your church, Lord. And may we see your kingdom come. Amen. And so may the blessing of God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with each one of us. This day and throughout the week that is ahead. May God bless you and keep you. Amen.